Perfectionism is created by a childhood environment where the person experienced that their perfect imperfections were not welcome, permitted, or accepted. Now, parents do this mainly in one or all of the next three primary ways. One, they were very rigid, strict, demanding, and overly unrealistic and placed high expectations on the child. In other words, the parent expected the child to do more than they were capable of. Number two, they were shamed by the parents. The parents were highly critical and directly or indirectly abusive to them. And finally, number three, there was too much praise. They were being spoiled or they were their golden child. Now, I want to touch on this praise part first. We all, you know, think it's great to praise our children, but there's a right and wrong way to do it. The wrong way is to constantly tell our child how wonderful and perfect they are. And here's why. The child needs to feel that within themselves. And so when a parent overly praises the child, it becomes an expectation, a burden to live up to. Of course, the parent is just trying to really express, I love you, I care about you, I want the best for you. But when we're constantly placing that overwhelming praise on a child, all of a sudden they go, wow, mom and dad expect me to be that way. I don't know if I can live up to that. Now, the right way to praise or a way you might want to try is to turn it into a question. So when they do something amazing that you normally would praise, try to turn it around and go, how do you feel about yourself? What do you think of that? In other words, allow the child to express praise for themselves. Now, we all know this to be true. I can hear parents wanting to argue and go, but no, I need to praise my child. Well, let me ask you, what happens when somebody tells you how attractive you are? or how great you are. Isn't it true that more often than not, you feel a sense of burden or shame or emptiness of, oh my God, I'm not that good. Or you just can't let it in that they see you as capable in this way. Well, that's even, think of that. You're an adult, 20, 40, 60, 80 years old, and you can't even let it in. Now think of a child who's developing and doesn't have the, all the skills and tools you've developed over your life. Now you can see that placing, heaping all of that praise on our child can be overwhelming to them. And therefore, the best way to praise our child is to phrase it in a question so that they can learn to praise themselves. They can accept that. Otherwise, it feels like a burden that they then have to be perfect to live up to that praise. All right? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, the, these three conditions create an identity that's based on exterior achievement and performance. It's basically an identity of doing and not being. That's at the heart of a perfectionist, is an identity of a doer, not a beer. They can't be a human being. They have to be a human doing. So that's a complete disconnection 
from self because now the self is about the doer just having the inherent worth just sitting in a chair doing absolutely nothing isn't enough <clears throat> and so all of these three parenting styles result and create three consistent lacks a feeling of lack in the perfectionist one a lack of control number two a lack of identity and number three a lack of self-worth now i'm going to give you solutions to all of these here at the end so make sure you stay tuned for that so what you're looking at what creates these three lacks and i'm going to go into more detail about them is the problem basically resides in the parent and the direct and indirect messages that they passed on and the the parent unknowingly they don't recognize this almost all parents think they're placing these expectations on a child to make them the best but it's in the way they go about it that's detrimental and it's an expression of the parent and their own unhealed pain the parent has an expectation that their child live to these standards whether it be rigid whether it be critical or whether they be the perfect child who's just so amazing the parent needs their child to do that so do you see what the parent is doing is placing their own unhealed pain and expectations onto the child that's the loss of control because now my life is controlled by I have to meet my parents unmet needs which means I have to give up my identity and if I have to give up my identity that means my parents are directly or indirectly sending me the message that me being a child that doesn't do anything just the mere fact that I was born isn't enough and therefore I have no worth unless I am perfect and I'm achieving and doing things <laughs> so basically <clears throat> what the perfectionist has done is created an, a brilliant adaptive strategy to fix a problem that unfortunately they can't fix because the problem is in within the parent themselves but the beautiful aspect of this coping strategy is it allows them to avoid the overwhelming feelings of powerlessness that they experience because as a young child whether they're being overly praised or criticized and shamed or abused or the the expectations are rigid and demanding or overly unrealistic by focusing on this outward achievement and making that their strategy it allows them not to experience the overwhelming powerlessness of the truth that their parents are abandoning them and placing responsibility on them to meet their unmet needs the parent wants to be better at these things and wants to achieve these things but instead of placing that responsibility on themselves they heap praise or get rigid and controlling and shaming and expect their child to become that now do most parents recognize this of course not this is a typical parenting style we would all call this normal and loving because we are vastly undereducated on what healthy loving parenting is not because we're bad people but because it's only been in the last 50 years we've openly talked about this and really studied it so everyone's just doing the best they can 
I'm a firm believer that there's only a very small percentage of parents who consciously try to hurt their children. Almost all perfect and perfect parenting just comes from a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding and teaching. They don't know that their, their heart is to employ the best strategies for their child. They just haven't been educated on what that might be. So basically the perfectionist, the, the probably more subconscious thought is if they can just be perfect enough with their diet, the sport they play as a parent, in their career, in their hobby, if they can just be perfect enough, they can create the illusion of control. They can create an identity that's acceptable to not only them, but their parents. And therefore, that all of those exterior pursuits and effort will create an interior self-worth. Unfortunately, even though it's a brilliant strategy to avoid all that pain, all it does is it creates and recreates the exact same feelings that they're attempting to, to avoid. Because all of us are human beings, which means we are all perfectly imperfect, which means we can never attain perfection. And so as the perfectionist pursues it and critiques everything, they have that shame-based voice of their parents in their head. Or even if it wasn't a voice, it was an indirect message that they have to be perfect or the praise in their head of, I have to live up to this. Whatever it may be, as they're pursuing all of that and recognizing their humanness, they can't achieve it. They are now re-inflicting the exact same abandonment, powerlessness, loss of control, the lack of, you know, creating their own lack of identity and low self-worth. Do they recognize, does the perfectionist recognize this? Of course not. And most perfectionists will tell you how great of a strategy this is and how well it's worked in their life. That's how they have cre they've created this envelope to hide behind so that they can suppress the original abandonment and the powerlessness and how terrifying it was to experience perfectly imperfect parenting and that they were actually alone and their parents were asking them to meet the needs that only the parent can meet in themselves. And so that's their defense. And that's the detachment from identity and reality. And they won't see it. Very few will admit to it. You know, there are some that will. But that's how they do it. Now, what this is ultimately called is the worst day cycle. This is what happens to all of us. We all experience perfectly imperfect parenting. And we suffer pain and um, emotional wounds. Now, because as a society, we don't teach about this, people don't know that that's what happens. And that then as adults, we recreate those exact same wounds against ourselves, either directly or indirectly, in an attempt to gain the original loss of identity, loss of power, and loss of worth. It creates a cycle. And we relive this in our relationships, our careers, our hobbies, everything we do. That's the worst day cycle. I, this video is not about that. If you'd like to learn about the worst day cycle and how it's showing up in your life, in every person's life, we all do this. It's a human dynamic that's been conditioned into us because 
as I said, we're only 50 years into really discovering all of these things and recognizing how we do this. So if you want to learn about the worst day cycle, you want to start seeing how it shows up in your life and how to heal it, I'd suggest my book, Your Journey to Success. Okay, so <clears throat> what are the solutions for the lack of control, the lack of identity, and the lack of self-worth? Well, let's start with the lack of control. What is at the heart of this is basically... Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Basically, severe fear. It's powerlessness. I mean, if, for those of you who've watched before, fear is one of three things. Fear of rejection, fear of inadequacy. In other words, we don't think we have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something. And so um, a, someone who's a perfectionist can't stand the thought that they can't do this perfect. That's inadequacy. I need to be perfect and develop all the skills and tools to do this. Uh, I need to know how to do this. All right. And then powerlessness, which is a lack of control. All right. So the first step, we're going to deal with just the powerlessness piece because that's the primary aspect. All perfectionism is about a lack of control. And so they're trying to control any as much as possible. All right. And underneath that is powerlessness. So the first step is to ask ourselves, what can I control and what I can't control? Well, you can't. You can control your choices, your thoughts, feelings, and actions, and whether you choose to heal this or not. You do have control over that. What you don't have control over is that you're human and that no matter how hard you try, more often than not, you will not be perfect. And that's grace to accept that truth. So also what you can control is to accept the truth that your parents were just human too. And they did the best they could. And their intent was most likely to love and adore you. But because they were perfectly imperfect, they placed their unhealed emotional trauma into you. You can't control that. But you can control whether you choose to do the work to heal it. So in any situation for a perfectionist, they need to start with a question. What can I control? Truly control. And focus on doing that. What keeps them stuck in the perfectionist loop is they try and create a solution to what they can't control. And that's what they have to learn to let go of and just live in what they can control. This is being human and perfectly imperfect. All the things we can't control. And so it's learning to let go of that and just focus on this piece. Number two, to deal with powerlessness is... <clears throat> pardon me, stop giving yourself away, which means start saying no. A big problem for perfectionists is because they have to be perfect, they feel they have to take on everything and they have to do every project and complete everything and do it to the best of their ability. No, you don't. You don't. You get to be human and you get to say, you know, I don't have space in my life for this today. I can't meet all of your needs. I know you could, your boss, look, 
I know you'd like me on this project. Because of my perfectionist type, you know, style, I do really well at this. And I'd love to be able to do that for you, but you already have me as the lead on three other projects. I don't have space for it. I, I just can't meet your request. And so you say no. All right. The second thing is to recognize for the perfectionist is to trust the process of life. See, that's what was taken from the child. There was so much burden on them to be perfect because remember, they, their imperfections were not welcome, they were not permitted, and they were not accepted, which means being perfectly imperfect was not okay. Well, we all are perfectly imperfect. We all are human beings. And so trusting the process of life means affording ourselves grace and forgiveness that we can't do it all, that we can't be perfect, and it's okay. You've done enough. You've worked hard enough. Give yourself a break. Trust the process of life that in time, things that you, if you focus on what you can control, the things in your life that you can't control will work themselves out. What it usually means, if we've done the first two, we're focusing on what we can control and we're saying no and not giving ourselves away and the situation isn't perfectly being handled, what that means is there's a life event that hasn't happened yet. And until that happens, we can't solve the problem. So let me give you an example. I've spent over 20 some years trying to heal from my childhood trauma and all the pain I've been through in my life. And I couldn't get to what I call the other side. Well, like I, I spent over a 10 year period, I figured I spent seven and a half years seeing my counselor every week. I worked my tail off to heal from all of these things, but I couldn't get to what I call over the hump, which is where, when life's struggles come along, I can manage them and stay at peace and not lose containment of myself. Well, it wasn't until my second divorce and the withdrawal from that and me contemplating taking my life where I recognized the one thing I'd never been willing to give up was control. I was holding on to my own style of trying to figure everything out before it happened. That was my defense mechanism. I adapted my own level of perfectionism. Um, and I realized if I don't let that go, I can't live. But I can't live with the consequence of me taking my life and how that would affect my children. So my only option is to wake up each day not knowing what will happen to wake up and walk into each situation knowing I have no control over it, knowing that I can only focus on my side of the street, knowing that my job is to assess a situation and make sure I don't give myself away, make sure I say no, and the rest of it, I will trust the process of life, that life events will happen that will bring a new, better answer. Well, that's what got me to the other side. I let go. And that's how my book came about, how this career came about. I realized this is 
my gift, like everything, all of a sudden, all of those things that I was trying to make perfect in my own way, just poof, went away and truth came up and everything got better. Everything worked itself out. So my point to you is this, although I'd spent 20 years trying to heal, I needed the life experience of my second marriage to break me and force me to confront aspects of myself that I wasn't ready to face. I needed that life experience to happen for me to be able to let go. That's trusting the process of life. If you're stuck, whether it's perfectionism or any aspect of your life, and you're doing the work and it's not working, it means a life event hasn't happened. And this is where we give ourselves grace and give ourselves When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply forgiveness. And so what allows me to navigate my life is that I now have the life experience to know that if things aren't working, it's okay. So there's some event going on in my life or that I don't see clearly yet or about to come into my life. And once that happens, it'll all work itself out. So I just let it all go. All right. That's how you deal for a perfectionist. That's how you deal with the lack of control. Now, how about the lack of identity? Because remember, we learned early on, it is not welcome, permitted, or accepted for us to be our authentic self. And so, perfectionism is an adaptation. I want to talk about this. You'll see a lot of people or a lot of articles or things that talk about there's a genetic component. <laughs> First of all, all of those studies, whether they're done with twins or whoever it might be, those studies are done with adults. Let that sink in. Genetic studies are primarily done on adults. Do you see what that means? It means they were nurtured in a certain way for 10, 12, 20, 30, 40 years before the study happened. They were trained. They experienced all of these life events. Whether they were separated at birth, none of it matters. It fascinates me that the scientific community ignores that fact that when they try and pin things on genetics so that we don't have to look at ourselves and see the part we played in it, that they're robbing people of the actual solution. You cannot separate the nurturing from the outcome of those studies. They were all parented. They all experienced environments. And they're acting as though none of that ever happened. They're also ignoring all of the genetic research that overwhelmingly proves genes are activated by the environment they're placed in. We can be born with genes for many different things, addiction, cancer, all of these things. But unless we experience the right emotional environment, that gene won't turn on. We can also 
by being placed in a different emotional environment, shut that gene off even after it's been activated. And so I want you to recognize that the people that keep trying to throw DNA and, and gene stuff at you, please update your information. Please read Biology Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Do Dr. Gabor Matei and all of his books. Educate yourself on how genetics work. And, and because here's the problem. When people place everything at the feet of genetics, what they don't recognize is they're placing themselves in a life where they will never have control. They will always be powerless. They are choosing a life of purgatory where they can never claim their identity because it's always the responsibility of genes. Nothing I can do, and the research shows overwhelmingly, none of that's true. And science conveniently, almost always, ignores the nurturing aspect of any of their genetic studies. So when it comes to identity, how do we recover from this? Well, that requires us completely, I hate to use this word, but dismantling our belief systems, our views of the world, our views of ourselves have been distorted. They're adaptations because what we originally thought was not welcome, accepted, or permitted. And so we must sit down and do the work to ask ourselves what truly are our morals and values, our needs and wants, our negotiables and non-negotiables. Everyone thinks they know what they are, but they don't. I'm talking in every area of your life. Are your political beliefs really yours? Or are they just what you saw and what your parents believed? Or did you pick the opposite, which isn't, doesn't mean it's actually yours. It's just to be in opposition, which means you're still under their thumb. You might believe with them. But because your thoughts weren't welcome and permitted, who you were, your identity, you just want the opposite to gain some sense of power and control. But it's not really who you are. So your beliefs about intimacy, about relationships, about parenting, about money, about careers, hobbies, literally every area of your life has to be deconstructed, evaluated, tested, and rediscovered to see if it's truly yours. We have to go on the journey to rediscover our authentic self. That's what my book shows you, how to break it down so you can see, oh my God, this isn't actually me. This is them and the adaptations I picked up. And wow, I thought this is what I really believed and it's not. So my book helps you do that, all right? <clears throat> the final step is to develop our self-worth. Well, self-worth, the single greatest way to love ourselves and feel worth within ourselves is to follow our morals and values, our needs and wants, our negotiables and non-negotiables, to be able to say no to ourselves, to be able to let go of control, to be able to navigate life's situation with grace and forgiveness that we're perfectly imperfect, that none of us will have everything figured out. It also requires an acceptance that you are a human being. You have worth. No matter who you are, what addictions or terrible things you've done or 
have been done to you, you have overwhelming inherent worth. You don't need to do or achieve or become anything. That's at the heart of developing self-worth. It is a constant recognition and reminder that when you want to be perfect, that you are stepping out of, you are creating your own lack of control. You are making yourself powerlessness. You are choosing to give up your own identity. You are actually self-rejecting when you're trying to be perfect. And therefore, you are not recognizing the truth that you have worth no matter what. Even if you so-called fail or do nothing, it is a complete embodiment and acceptance of that truth. It is the ultimate forgiveness of our humanness and how perfectly imperfect all of us are. Now, to achieve all of those things, you will not get it by watching my videos or other people's videos. This process Unfortunately, the internet is created um, and social media. People try and do their healing journey through 15-second TikTok videos or 30-second YouTube shorts and think that if I watch enough of those, I'll heal. Well, you're going to learn some things and you're going to gain some improvement, but you're not going to do this. All of this requires work. Remember, I spent 20 years doing work and I still do all this work. I haven't stopped. It never stops. This requires a commitment to basically going to school, putting ourselves. How are we going to find our identity unless we sit and do the work? Well, that's why I've developed the full process to heal from all of these dynamics, to reclaim our authentic self, to heal the pain from the past and become the true, authentic human being, greatest version of myself. All of these solutions, the full process, for you to overcome the powerlessness in your life, for you to um, find your identity and develop your self-worth is my set of nine master classes, my complete emotional mastery method. It walks you from start to finish so you can discover all of these. One, how the trauma was created in you, how you keep reliving it against yourself, what you need to do to stop it and give the trauma back so it's no longer yours, so that you can develop true empowerment and less self-defeating mechanisms that sabotage you and don't work, and find your identity, which ultimately allows you to discover what your morals and values are, your needs and wants are, your negotiables and non-negotiables, and then teaches you the process to live in them so that you can have the self-worth that you deserve and that is inherent in you. There is nothing you've done to lose your worth. I don't care how despicable it is. We never, ever lose our worth. Even your parents, none of us. It is an inherent aspect of being human that we all have worth. No matter what. All right? So, <clears throat> just to recap, three things create the perfectionist. 
one of three parenting styles, either rigid, strict, demanding, or overly unrealistic and high expectations were placed on the child. Number two, they were ashamed, criticized, and, and or directly or indirectly um, experienced abusive parenting. Number three, they received too much praise or they were spoiled. They were the golden child. So it placed this overwhelming burden that they had to live up to. Those experiences in childhood created lack in three areas, a lack of control, a lack of identity, a lack of self-worth. Now to recover from all of that requires a lack of control, requires powerlessness recovery, which is learning the difference between what I can control, what I can't control. Learning to stop giving ourselves away and say no, and learning to trust the process of life. To regain our identity and discover our authentic self requires challenging all of our beliefs, our whole structure of everything in our life, our views on politics, relationships, everything, and developing our true own morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. Because remember, the perfectionist child was sent the message directly or indirectly that who they were and their perfect imperfections were not welcome, permitted, or accepted, and therefore, they had to become and develop an identity of a human doing, not a human being. And finally, to gain their self-worth, there's only one way to do that. Well, two things, two things are required. Living in our morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. In other words, not living against ourselves and welcoming and permitting and accepting our perfect imperfections. That no matter what you've done or what you feel or think about yourself, at all times you have worth.